said, give me a hell yeah. I said, give me a hell yeah. everybody this is double g for the fight game podcast packed show tonight but i promise it will not go as long as last week's barn burner of a show i think john and i were ready to fall asleep when we were done with last week's show john what's up very much man i'm pumped i'm pumped for the show lots lots to talk about but we'll keep it hopefully not as long as last time but you know you know how it goes when we get going though i know i know um, so yeah, lots of stuff to talk about. We'll talk about uh, some of the UFC stuff that's going on. Uh, there's some interesting behind-the-scenes stuff going on in uh, New Japan, uh, and then there's lots of craziness going on with WWE as well. It just seems like a negative week for whatever reason because of all these stories. Um, but I did want to let people know that if they are a Wrestling Observer a Figure 4 online subscribers, that I did a show with Dave about Ted Turner. It was mostly about Ted Turner. There was other stuff going on, but that was kind of the main piece of, of the thing because last week he wrote a story about Ted Turner because um, Ted Turner has fallen ill a little bit. And, uh, and so he just kind of recapped the history of Ted. So it goes all the way back to like even before WTBS stuff and, and some of the – some of the uh, decisions Ted make to bring to put wrestling on his on his channel, and then all of a sudden it goes up on the satellite, and so um, so it was really fun to do. Like I, I even I, I kind of dug through Dave's story like line by line just to pick up everything, so I understood it completely. But then I was doing like research on Ted himself as well, and kind of going back to uh, where you know where he uh, started. I think like his dad had some. I want to say it was like a billboard business or something. And so Ted hmm. kind of inherited that. So, yeah, he's, he was a pretty fascinating character, though. You know, it's funny when we say the stories about Ted, but really it's about the, um, like, what Ted was able to give people to promote their, you know, their wrestling. Because Ted, you know, Ted wasn't really involved. He He just thought wrestling was a, a good draw for his network and he 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 let it on his channel and and uh and and that was that and it's like funny because like if you go back in the um you know back in like right before the attitude era and you know vince mcmahon and wwe is always making it about billionaire ted and he really didn't have much to do with it other than giving wcw a prime opportunity to to uh run nitro and so like when you're doing the story about ted it's really about just the opportunities that he gave people. Yeah, I think also too, like the billionaire Ted was really just slapping the face to Bischoff because he's not getting Bischoff over by mentioning him. Mm-hmm. So he's like mentioning, you know, Ted Turner because that's the bigger name, right? So at the same time, he knows because you know Eric Bischoff's and you know he wants to stroke his own ego, and he knows that if he would you know single out Eric Bischoff in those segments it would just kind of put him over a little bit. Too, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it was kind of, it was kind of, it's kind of funny looking at that, that when that happened and stuff. And I, and, 
It's cool, you know. Ted Turner was, you know, like like I said, he didn't really, he didn't really like, you know, day to day operations at WCW. But like, it wasn't for him, like it could have been closed down. I mean, how how did it not close down in 1993, right? Like, how did that? Yeah, yeah. Totally. You look at the house. You look at the house show business, and I mean, the ratings are good, but the house show business was damn near like horrible, like thousand people, and, and it's just like it's some really bad stuff. So I mean, he just pretty much put the squash to it every year. Like, no, we're not closing it down. And, you know, hats off to Big Ted for uh, being loyal to wrestling and, and what it did for his build up his network. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Just the, the whole, yeah, exactly what you said, the whole thing about, you know, TBS saying, like, why are you, why are you continuing to fund these guys? All they do is lose money. <laughs> and actually, yeah. it, in turn, I think, I think at some point they were actually even because they were getting money from TBS to show the um, to show the 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 shows uh, uh, on the network. And I'm trying to remember the time frame. Like, did USA give Raw money to show uh, to for for their product when it first started? I can't even remember exactly what that deal was. Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not sure. I was too just you know. Was it involved like in all the behind the scenes stuff more until you know I was just enjoying the product. I still enjoy it today, but like I really you know just wide eyed kid loving yeah. everything. Yeah, I mean I didn't even really understand how it worked either. But um, so one one little fun nugget out of, out of that whole thing is, uh, you know, like I I don't really I mean I promote that I'm doing these shows on Twitter. But I'm not like running around posting on message boards or anything. Like I just kind of like let the show happen, and then I get some feedback on it, and then people want to follow me on Twitter. Cool, and then I just go about my business. But um, <laughs> so Missy Hyatt had tweeted, uh, she retweeted the show, and then like she didn't mention me at all. Like I, this was where I kind of like threw myself in, into this, um, and I j- I just retweeted her, and I was like, wow. This is crazy. Missy Hyatt listened to a show that I was on. I didn't even say that I hosted. I just said, you know, I was on. And then um, I said, like, mind blown. And then she replies and she goes, I met you in 2016 at WrestleCon in Dallas, right? And I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) I, I literally met her for two minutes. Like, it was just like a hi, big fan of yours. And she was like, she was kind of, uh, she was all uh, out of whack that night because she got a concussion. And uh, mm-hmm. technically her retirement match, I think, you know, she was seconding somebody uh, and she she got a concussion. And so she was like all out of sorts. And I just, I just went over there to say hi. I think Ed in San Antonio had met her before. <laughs> so he's like, I'm going to go say hi to Missy. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to be right behind you because I want to say hi to Missy too. And so then... Um, she, I was like, wow, you know, I can't, that's a great memory. Like we literally met one time and you remembered exactly. And she was like, yeah. And I even had a concussion. I was like, yep, you sure did. <laughs> so that was, that was pretty well, cool. As I've learned, the Dave Taraj is very popular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, I, mean, I didn't that know was, that even existed at the term, but now I know. That was, uh, <laughs> that was on the Josh Na- the, the Josh Nason podcast, which is on uh, the, uh, the Observer website, too, the um, uh, jo- Josh uh, Nason's Punch-Out. I was on there on Friday, 
and predicting, you know, we, we were just talking about UFC and stuff, but he also, you know, there, I guess there's a, you know, there's a lot of interest in, you know, who gets to go watch TV at Dave's house? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yeah, like it was, it's kind of crazy just how it all happened. But, um, but yeah, so that was fun. Um, I, I doing those two shows was fun coming off of our marathon podcast. I did like three podcasts last week and like two in like two days. Um, but now I know how Brian feels. Um, so, so yeah, so let's, uh, let's actually get going here. Uh, we'll talk about the wrestling observer hall of fame next week. You have been voting for how many years now? Uh, I think I got my first ballot in 2010, I believe. I mean, all of a sudden it showed up. I'm like, whoa, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, how it happened. So I, I have a ballot now too, though I'm in looking at the ballot, I'm only comfortable voting in the modern performers in US Canada uh territory because like I, I think I could do the research on the Japanese and some of the Mexican guys, but I don't feel like my historical knowledge is quite year, quite there yet. So I'm gonna only vote in the U.S. because you know I've been everybody on that ballot. I've been watching pretty much for my entire life, so yeah. I, I know those guys very well. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so we'll we'll talk about our our ballots next week on the show. Um, and uh, first kind of thing we're gonna talk about is this Connor and Khabib madness. Now I know you were on your anniversary with your wife, and so you did not get my to- anniversary. Wife's birthday. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 32. Wife's birthday. Um, and so you missed the show, but I imagine like you got all the same texts and like and and uh, Twitter messages and like what the hell was that like as, as I did. Like I'm sure you you couldn't avoid the whole story of Connor and Khabib. Yeah, I would check my Twitter feed. Check my uh, easy easy follow. What's going on with that? And I kept up, kept up, and I kept refreshing, refreshing during the fight. And all of a sudden, I think I got to Kevin Ioli's post, and he just like said, "Ground and pound, choke, car taps." And I was like, just turn my phone off. And I was like, well, there it is. Mm-hmm. And then come to find all the craziness afterwards. And I saw the footage on 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 the online of that, and it was just totally nuts. But kind of expected in a way because so all the. You know, it's a little, real bad blood here, at least on Khabib's side. Absolutely, uh, I've uh, <clears throat> I find myself in the space on Facebook and and stuff. Like, there both sides, there are just people with ridiculous points, <laughs> and so like I don't I, I don't have one side or the other. Like I'm I'm you know. I, I did the show with, with Meltzer and we compared it to Ali versus Frazier because it touched mm-hmm. all of those lines, racism, religion, family, you know, it touched all of those things. And um, that that was really the closest we could come. And so, I, I, I mean, I look at both at fault and both at not fault and maybe the UFC as the main fault. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, like uh, – you know, I compared it to uh, Major League Baseball when they went on strike in 94 and they came back right before the 95 season started. Like, people stayed away. And um, mm-hmm. it wasn't until the steroid era that people really started coming back to, to the ballpark. And so they were just like, 
oh, we'll, we'll turn our blind eye to home runs increasing by 75% from the year before. We're, we'll turn a blind eye because guess what? People are coming to the ballpark. And so they created this environment that got out of control because then the players were like, oh, this is how we become famous and market ourselves as we just start getting juiced up and hit 45, 50 home runs a year. And then at some point they had to come down on these guys and pretend that they didn't know what was going on. And I sort of feel the same way about this UFC show, which is, you know, because there's so much pressure to create these huge events and they did like they, they killed it with this show. Um, They were going to turn a blind eye to certain things, knowing that, you know, this is going to be the biggest show of the year by far, and they're going to recoup a lot of money that they lost because nobody gives a crap about Tyron Woodley versus Darren Till, even though I loved both of those guys. But, you know, they they're, they're, they they created this environment. The fans are rabid for the product to be hot. Uh, and when it is, they come out in droves. And when it isn't, they stay away like nobody's business. And, you know, it's 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 business and it's the pressures of, of you know, being, you know, being purchased by for a, so much money and and having to recoup all those costs and, and for the new owners. And man, they absolutely just it was just like, we don't give a shit what's going on here. We're just going to put on the biggest event possible. And the thing that I'm glad about is that, you know, I, as far as I know, you know, there wasn't too many riots or any fans getting hurt or whatever. Um, but there was a sense of violence when, if you were watching that thing, like the first thing I thought was, so my youngest is a huge Conor McGregor fan. He's always saying like, when are we going to go see him fight? And I'm like, well, if it costs $1,500 to get in the door, never. But secondly, like, what if we were there, right? Like just the, just the air of violence and the sense of violence just in that building. It was quite the scene. And I, I like, it almost makes me wonder, um, how you can like, like, like at some point, if UFC just goes like, look, like we have to, we cannot bring these things into promotion. Like this crosses the line. Like I was asking Dave this, I was like, what's the, like, like where, where is the line? And he's like, I, I'm not sure. And, and so like, there's may, no may, line really. I mean, but can, do you have to create one at some point? Like, you know, Nick and Nate, I mean, uh, Nate and, uh, and Connor, you know, they were, they were like throwing bottles at each other and hitting people. Uh, and you know, but I didn't sense the same violence, the feeling of violence that I sensed at this one. Like this one was a little bit of a different level. Yeah. It's not not gonna go away. This stuff, you know, more and more people are going to start doing it because it's going to get them a bigger payday and everything. And, and, and Dana White loves it because, and the UFC management ownership love it really, because it's going to, it's going to create more buys and more interest in a pay-per-view. There's a reason why they promoted the, Connor throwing the dollies to the bus during the commercials and they know what they're doing. They're not stupid. You know, they know controversy creates ticket sales, pay-per-view buys. And, and that's what we got. You know, they got their record breaking event, you know, pay-per-view buys the show because of that. Cause you want to see the grudge. Like, it was weird. And I think it, I think it was a lot of last minute buys too. Like just the interest, the hype of the last day, because you know, all, yeah, I work. I mean, it's people that watch UFC and they'll come to me talking to me about it. So I always know like when a fight is hot when someone talks about it with me, like, so come on, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Who's gonna win? Yeah. And like I got none of that leading up to this. I was like, that's kinda interesting. All of a sudden I was getting texts, who do you think's gonna win? All this stuff from my my coworkers. I was like, Oh man, everyone's getting together and watching this fight and and I right when I saw that I thought for sure it's gonna do 
you know, two million buys at the least, right? Yeah. So, so it's just people love it, man. People want to see it. People want to see a spectacle. They want to see the craziness. And why do you think UFC is already talking about doing Khabib Connor too? You know, Khabib destroyed him, yeah. right? Because yeah. they know people would buy the rematch. If they, you know, they, and Connor has the ability to talk people into believing that he can probably beat Khabib this time around, which. I'm not going to vote for Connor this time around. <laughs> I'm definitely vote for Khabib. And uh, so, I mean, controversy equals tickets, equals pay per view buy rates. Same as pro wrestling, same as boxing. Um, you know, same in MMA. So it's, it's going to keep going. I don't know what the line is. I don't think you should tax someone's religion and all that kind of stuff. But, you know. It's all about promoting. It's all business, right? So I, I do have one specific question for you uh, in a second, but just to kind of add on um, to what you were just saying. <clears throat> so, uh, so when it comes to the second fight, um, like you, I picked Connor, but the whole time I had Khabib, and my main reasoning was I was worried that Connor was partying too much and that he wasn't going mm-hmm. to be ready. And I, I, I don't imagine that that's even, that, that was even a, a thing, but I changed my mind the night, the, the night before day of the fight. And the reason why I changed my mind is because I watched a lot of the, um, the weigh-ins and all that stuff. And I thought, you know what? This stage is too big for Khabib. It's not just the fight inside the cage. It's all of the other stuff uh, and, and, you know, I mentioned, uh, the Sugar Ray Leonard, Marvin Hagler, uh, fight from back in the day where, you know, I, f- I forget the name of the guy who was, was like a sports writer was like, Sugar Ray put the fight game on him and meaning Sugar Ray won the mental game and the game within the game. Uh, and, and, and thus, you know, Marvin in, in the ring, like he may have thought like that he actually won the fight, but there was so much more involved. And so I was actually right about that part. Because the way that Khabib reacted, it just shows that he was he, that stage was too big for him. The way that he reacted, but hell, inside the cage, the dude was a was a monster. Like, oh my god! Um, so, so agree with you on that. The second fight, I mean, I don't, I don't see anybody who could pick Connor. But uh, the thing that I wanted to ask you about is being that you are a Booker, and that you know that in booking angles or in trying to get personalities over, you cannot copy the same thing over and over and over and over and over and expect it to work the same every time. So you mentioned mm-hmm. you mentioned you know the UFC wanting guys to do stuff like this because it will create more uh, eyeballs and and ears uh, and just more visibility, like. I think it's only like a select few can do it. Like the way Daniel Cormier has to promote something is a little bit different from um, from Conor McGregor because he's just a different guy. Like he can't fake, yeah. you know, he can't fake this thing uh, like Conor can. Um, and but I wonder about guys like um, like let's say Stipe Miocic, right? Like before he lost to Dan Daniel Cormier, um, I think the UFC was really banking on him being like a heavyweight star because he hits so hard and heavyweights, people are always interested in heavyweights, but he's just literally like a, like just a normal guy. Like there's nothing that stands out about him outside of the cage. And so if you were, let's say, you know, let's say Dana White calls you up and he's like, Hey, you know, we need like a Paul Heyman over here 
to help to help us get some of these guys over. You know, Colby Covington kind of has an idea what he wants to do um, to create yeah. a little bit of controversy. But like, how, how would you how would you go about trying to make these guys show their personalities, but also be different and not be Connor copycats or rock copycats? You know, like like because it, it seems like the these guys could go, oh, this is what works. I'm going to try to do that and then fall flat on their face because it doesn't come off right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's all you got to really watch talent closely. You got to know who's real, who's legit. Like, who's a real talker? Who's not just performing, right? Like, who has that within him? Like, a Michael Bisbee can come out and understand how to be a heel, how to be a great pool, how to create controversy. Same with, you know, same with Breaker. A guy like Colby, you know, did well early on, but then we found out quickly he's just pretender when it comes to his trash talking because Michael Bisbee just ate him up, spit <laughs> him out. And we, you know, like Kobe's good, you know, practicing, getting his character down, you know, cutting these promos, but those guys, you know, those are the pretenders. Chell Sonnen really was a pretender, but he was so different at the time that no one else was doing it. So he created controversy at the time. Now looking back, you can totally tell it's just all performance for him, right? Yeah, yeah. But you know, you just gotta find you know it, they're not gonna come. You know, with so many guys on the roster, there there's a small percent that actually can have this ability, and you just gotta wait till you see a Connor come to the door or someone who has that ability to cut promos and, and believe them. You know, but the MA's a little different animal. There's different personalities. Like I like. Daniel Cormier as this hero to people, this every man, this family man, right? You really want to root that guy on. GSP, same way. Like, he's, you know, not the best talker in the world, but he's really good, and he just seems like a really good guy, and you just want to root for him. And he's my all-time favorite fighter. So, like, it's just like, I just kind of connect with him. And, and, there's, and there's different people, like, you know, even even uh, Derek Lewis, or, or, you know, like, big guys, talks, talks trash in a funny way. You kind of like them. You can, you know, you, you root for the guy like that, you know, you just kind of just keep finding their personality and kind of step it up a little bit. I do think now what the bookers should do or matchmakers like Sean Shelby and whatnot should go to each fighter and be like, Hey, if you win, this is what we're looking at for the future for you. Like here's a list of guys, call out one of them and we'll probably book it. Right or attempt to book it. And instead of like those guys going in the cage, it drives me nuts. And when they go in the cage, after they win, they're like, well, I don't know. I'm just going to, whatever the UFC wants me to do, I'll do it. Cause I'm a fighter, you know, and, and great. But like, call out someone, build some interest in your next fight. That's what I would do. I, I would give the, that's how I would guide them. And then if a guy like, uh, like Art McGregor shows up, you're like, and then you start throwing in a little harder, you know? So, it's great that you mentioned that because Dominic Reyes beat Ovent St. Prue in a pretty good fight. Like, I thought he was actually going to put uh, Ovent away a couple of different times. He knocks he knocks him down right at the end of the round. They go to decision, though, you know, give him another five seconds and, and it, it, he, he would have finished him. And so at the end of that fight, you know, you got this hot prospect – and you would think that being that this is the biggest UFC card in the history of pay-per-view, that he would have something ready. And he didn't. He didn't have anything. 
And I just thought yeah. like, like, wow, like, you know, you, you, you really want to take advantage of the opportunity that you have. And instead, I mean, and Derek Lewis did, right? Derek Lewis was, was the one who did do that. And Dominic Reyes was just like, um, he, I mean, I think what he showed people was like, yeah, I'm a good fighter, but like, you know, that's all, like, that's all you're going to get from me. And I was just kind of disappointed. I was like, wow, like this guy looks like a really fun guy. Like I would love to kind of watch him grow and see if he could do, you know, see, see where he could go in his career. And then I thought, eh, if he doesn't care, why should I care? Yeah, exactly. I mean, everyone can't cut McGregor promos or Chael Sonnen promos. It's just, just no one, it's just, it's, it's just not going to happen. And it's not going to happen overnight. You're going to have 10 more of these guys, right? It's just not going to happen. So it's just a weight game. It's just like pro wrestling, right? It's like, waiting for another rock or Austin to show up, right? There's Hogan, and it dipped down, and all of a sudden, here comes Austin, and then we got, they got really lucky because then they got the rock as well. And, you know, and then John Cena came around, like, same thing in MA, like, it's got to wait till that, that next lightning rod of the talent that's going to capture people comes around, and, and who knows what it's going to be, but it could be a year, it could be five years, it could be ten. But just want you know, if you're UFC, just buy your time, keep putting on fights. But I really think they should really have someone that's going out there and give them some kind of direction when it comes to like your future. Be like, hey, we're just booking this, all right? You know, or give a list of guys, you know, that you're really close to a title fight. You should really say this so we can use that as a soundbite for a promo for a future build up the fight. You know, and or even even to even take it to the next level. Now you don't have to do this every time. But, you know, when Cormier was facing Stipe, who was sitting in the crowd? Like, Brock Lesnar was sitting in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. when, as people are watching that fight, they're also thinking like, oh, wow, I can't wait to see, you know, the next fight. And so, I'm not saying that yeah. Dominic Reyes, I'm not saying that the UFC needed to have somebody ready for something like Dominic Reyes, but... You know, you you did have like some really really good fights on that card, and you could have had, you know, you could have had even even uh, I, I guess they they did in a sense they had you know Tony Ferguson there he is the number one contender, but I would have loved yeah. I would have loved to see uh, it, it didn't get to happen because the chaos you know ensued, but I would have loved to see Ferguson just kind of be in the cage at the end and then and you know Khabib just just won and all of a sudden we're like oh. That's where they're going next. I can't wait to see that, you know. But unfortunately, you know, we didn't. Know, we don't know if that if that was actually going to happen or yeah. not. I, I don't, I don't that think that's a different situation because you know Ferguson fought the fight before, so he's probably getting medical medical attention afterwards and everything. Unless he destroys a guy within like seconds, right? Then he could probably go back out there. But but if you have a guy that's in the ready for the next challenger, that's going to meet whoever's going to win these this fight. Yeah, you should book him out there. Show him before the match, the fight, sorry, before the fight, show him, interview him at ringside. Hey, who do you think is going to win? Who would like to fight? Blah, blah, blah. All of his perspective. And then have the fight happen. Whoever wins, that guy gets called in and cut, they cut it, you know, an interview back and forth between each other. They should do that more often. And, and it might it might get old after a while, but you got to choose, choose when you do it. Yeah. But for big pay-per-views, for one that you know is going to be a higher buy rate than just your normal standard, you know, 
130,000 buy when I want to do it for, but something that you can get 300 buys or more, like I would definitely do something like that. So the rest of the the UFC silliness for for this week, uh, I mean, there, there's a there's a video out there of a different angle that we saw uh, on most of the highlights mm-hmm. where Connor definitely takes the first punch at the guy who he kind of got in the scrap with. The guy's behind a security guard and he kind of comes in and he doesn't even have his hands up. He's but there's chaos, right? There's chaos. Yeah. A security guard between the guy and Connor. And then Connor just fires a left hand at him. Um, so all that silliness that you know that all play out. I know Khabib's really upset because I think they, um, I think they put on hold one of the fights of of his his buddies who was in the cage, and now you know he's he's mad and he's trying to justify everything again. Uh, but you know, mm-hmm. uh, not 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 that he can justify it because I don't think he can. But if you want to look at a fairness situation, yeah, he's got a point. Um, and then so also, uh, they they do not they did not have a main event for the Madison Square Garden show, and I think it was on like Monday or Tuesday. I don't know I think it's a Tuesday maybe where all I, I saw a tweet and they're like. Uh, Derek, uh, my balls was hot, Lewis, and and Daniel Cormier, <laughs> and I was like, "What in the hell?" Like, that, yeah, me na- too. Now that is like, you know, that is just booking without any sort of uh, sense of of safety for your guys, because uh, Derek Lewis is going to get destroyed, um, and and so uh, that is now a reality, and so then. They had uh, changed the Joanna and Shevchenko fight so that they could put it on Madison Square Garden, and they had uh, the the woman from the Ultimate Fighter who couldn't make weight because like her kidneys were shutting down to face Shevchenko. Uh, her her nickname is Sarge Sarge Eubanks, and so then when they create this Cormier fight, then they're like, oh, we're gonna go back to Shevchenko and Joanna and put that back at two thirty one, like just like. Gosh, like you're just scrambling, you know, just scrambling for stuff, showing that you don't have your all your eggs in one basket. And then, unfortunately, the uh, Dustin Poirier and Nate Diaz fight is off because I guess Poirier's hurt. So, so yeah, so lots of or, stuff. Or, or what? Are they not like or is it a test failure? Because now that people pull off her injuries, could possibly be a test failure. Right, absolutely so not right. Yeah, they, they they're not announcing until they know for sure and that they've gone through this whole process so you're right you're absolutely right because sean o'malley is the one who our, our our good friend big dave you know wrote reported that like you're gonna see a lot more injuries a lot more guys pulling out or gals pulling out for injuries and then later on you're gonna find out that it could be for tesla i hope not because uh like that's is one of my one of my favorites to watch i'm really bummed that that fight's not gonna happen that that i mean honestly to me that's like the main event of that show yeah that's the, Absolutely, one I was looking forward to the most, and yeah, it just, it just seems so wacky right now. Is it because Joe Silva's not there anymore? Is is it? Is it? I mean, what's going? Is this just a new management? I because mean, I don't remember like them having that many issues. I don't remember a lot of guys pulling out a fight in the past. It just seems like now it, it just it just. It's a, it's a it's a mess. You just can't really trust the card until it happens. How, how's this for an analogy? It reminds me of when WWE books Hell in a Cell and TLC uh, every, you know, at the same time every month. 
they're not booking Hell in the Cell because they have a great feud to draw at Hell in the Cell. Mm-hmm. They're booking it just because that's the plan. They book Madison Square Garden with, I'm sure, with some ideas of what to do. They, I'm sure they thought maybe they had John Jones ready. But it's like you're booking the garden for a specific date and a specific time, and then you're backfilling to find the right yeah. fights for it. And so, you know, Dana White mentioned that he didn't think Conor McGregor would be licensed in New York, which is possible, definitely possible. But I know the New York guys were like, well, they didn't even try. But if Dana felt that they weren't going to license him, then it probably wasn't even worth trying. Um, but like, you know, they you, they had all these question marks. They had the, you know, the the McGregor fight. Then they had, you know, Joe, John Jones going to be available for that. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was Cormier. And then, oh, Brock Lesnar's not going to be ready. So, you know, you have these like three really big fights that you want to do. And you didn't really know when you could do them. So it was kind of like, you know, you were just crossing your fingers that something was going to be available for one of those big shows. And, you know, unfortunately, they did the the McGregor, not unfortunately, because it was the biggest show ever, but they did the McGregor one uh, a month earlier. And that kind of makes the MSG show smaller, uh, no matter what they could, you know, they no matter what they could do, that show was not going to be as yeah. successful. So, but yeah, yeah so. They should have went with, they should have went with Connor and Khabib. For MSG because I would have watched it. <laughs> <laughs> you would have been available. You don't book these. You don't book the biggest pay per view on my wife's birthday now. <laughs> Come on, guys. Uh, so, so Joseph we, was there. He would realize what was going on that date and said, "You know what? John Rock has to watch this fight. We can't. We can't <laughs> on October 6th. <laughs> um, so we go from drama cage side to drama ringside. There uh, is there is an there's such an interesting story to me with this New Japan stuff. We, we, I mean, we read from The Observer last week that small piece uh, of paragraph that, that Dave had wrote. And so he followed up to that story in, uh, in this week's Observer. And, um, I mean, from the looks of it, from what, from what Dave has reported, the, uh, the guys are unhappy with the new direction. Uh, Harold Mage as the as the main guy and uh, the GM Michael Craven. Um, obviously, there is you know there there some of this unhappiness has to be with the uh, the possible contract stuff. I, I, I would imagine that that's part of it. But there was a small part in in Dave's story where he says both the Japanese and the U.S. wrestlers are frustrated and they feel like. They are factory workers on an assembly line. Like, how can they go from having such a great year to all of a sudden it's, like, not fun? I I mean, I I understand when management kind of changes and and how morale can change, but it just seemed like it happened so fast. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens when management change and gets a little more quote unquote corporate and there's certain rules in place and and the way these management interact with wrestlers are not they're not used to dealing with wrestlers. The wrestlers are not used to dealing with these corporate types, so there's this, this disconnect there and you're using he's a beast of kind of a middleman between the wrestler and the corporate side because that can cause a lot of issues. So um I'm not shocked by this, but at the same time, like I this this move has been made. I mean, is 
I, I, I assume I think Gato and Jado is for booking, right? So the creative aspect is still there and it's still fine. So it must be just all money or situation, right? At this point, that's what I'm thinking. So it sounds like maybe their preliminary contract talks aren't going the way they expect, you know, but uh, we'll see. You know, you know, when I hear something like morale, I, I sort of think about, or do you feel like you're appreciated, right? Mm-hmm. And so the line about, mm-hmm. you know, the assembly workers or whatever, um, to me, that shows that as harsh as that G1 was, those guys working their ass off that maybe it was just like, okay, now on to the next thing, you know? Cause, cause you, if you think about it, like the way that they booked those shows, um, part of the reason why they didn't have lineups for a lot of these shows is because there was a show booked very closely to it that you had yeah. to find the outcomes of before you could create the, the matches for the next show. So I wonder if that has something mm-hmm. to do with it, you know, not, you know, they're, they're running around from, you know, LA and, uh, Long Beach, I mean, and and then back to Japan, and then you know, and also they had their own, you know, they had their own all-in scheduled show, right? And I'm sure that you know, New Japan probably wasn't really too concerned about that date, like oh, like we we don't have to book around that date. But not saying that there was any, there was a lot of shows during that time. But I just remember, you know, Omega being kind of beat up because of that G1, and then and then all in, and they even made fun of it on being the elite. Where he was like, ah, oh, you know, I'm gonna take, I, I just put me in a tag match. I'll open the tag match. You know, I'll be, I'll, it'll be a night off. And they're like, no, you won't be in the main event, but uh, you're going one on one against Pentagon. And he was like, oh my god. Um, but uh, but even being the elite this week was pretty interesting. Like if you watch that thing with kind of a keen eye on with this in mind about the morale being down, did I think they were sort of kind of letting their frustrations out in, in being the elite. Like there wasn't anything belligerent or, uh, you know, their frustrations didn't come out like in a way where you're like, what the hell's going on? But if you kind of put this story with the being the elite show together and look at it through that lens, I think you're like, Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, there, there's, there's something going on here. So, uh, for, you know, if you, if you guys want to check that out, check it out with this, this story in mind. Um, it's yeah. It's uh, it's. Well, I guess we'll just have to see. We'll just have to see what goes on because you know the 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 match was made uh, for for the Tokyo Dome. It's going to be Omega and uh, Tanahashi. Uh, did you? What did you think about the three way that they just had with Cody and Coda and uh, and Omega? Eh, I don't really, I don't really care for it. Um, I'm not. First of all, I'm not a fan of three ways. I'm not a fan. I mean, I you know, I thought they did some cool stuff. You know, those guys are just just awesome athletically. So they did some really cool stuff. I just I don't like. I just can't get into those matches where it's like two friends going at it, and then this case yeah. three friends. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I don't want to hurt you. Oh man, I'm sorry. Like that shit sucks. Like, I, and that's why I hated that damn long. I didn't hate it, but like, I thought it was overhyped. The well, the young bucks versus the golden lead at the long beach. So like that, like, I don't want to, I don't want to give you the, the one wing angel to finish the match and actually win because I'm not like, oh, what the fuck you signed a contract for? <laughs> like, you know, you, 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 put your name to the dot and you know who you're wrestling yet. Yeah, you you want to win. Don't you like, mm-hmm. it's just so stupid. 
and they're trying to, I know we're trying to tell this, this deep story, and it's, it's about, it's not that deep, it's about as deep as my, my shallow kiddie pool when I was a kid, it's not that good, but like, it's, it's like, it's just stupid and silly, like, I just kept, like, I was, I was, I was basically was just watching it and like going, okay, okay, all right, all right, cool move, cool move, like, oh, you know, and that was it. I, I, and at the end, nothing really happened. You know, just a bunch of love fest. I was like, okay, cool. But it wasn't like as gripping as like Jay White versus like Tanahashi, I thought, or even Kushida and Marty Scroll. Yeah. So, I mean, those matches were, were, you know, intense and then had a lot of drama to them. And then the three way really didn't. And it almost seemed like they like got thrown in this position to do this three way match. And they're just, they don't think they went to the motions because they worked hard. It's just they were, it wasn't something that they were hyped to do. And you can kind of tell in a way. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree. Um, the, uh, the angle right before that was, re- was really good coming out of the, the Tanahashi match. Though, what did you think about the way they, uh, were, like the way that Okada came into that whole thing? Um, uh, my buddy Alan uh, Cunahan, Alan Forel, you know he's the he he watches this clus this stuff with such a close eye. He liked everything except for he said when they held uh, who was it uh, Gato or Jada when they held him or maybe it was Jay White and Okada was going to come off the rope and and then he got caught with the with the stun gun. He was like Okada was early 90s goofy sting baby face at that moment mm-hmm. and he didn't like that moment at all for okada no i agree i agree that was that was silly like yeah hold hold on we're gonna hold them so you can get your revenge and and like yeah why how why would okada fall for something so stupid yeah like, it that that was the only thing that was pretty weak on that i did like the when tanahashi went to go check on okada but it wasn't a way where it wasn't like force that now they're going to be good friends and they're going to be fighting this battle together. It was just like a mutual respect thing. I thought that was really well done. And Tanahashi's so smart. Like he, he knows exactly how to create these scenarios and tell these stories. And that match with Jay White was a very traditional heel with the heel manager getting heat behind the rest back. Ghetto was awesome. He's probably the best manager I've seen in a long time. That's not like <laughs> such an he was asshole. Such a great. I, mean, I really like this combination of Jay White. He he brings that extra something to Jay White. Though Jay White's been fantastic these last this, these last few months with this new direction, and he, he's really hitting a home run with it. And and you know Tanahashi like looked good. He you know he I'm sure he's hurting as he always is, but like. Shit, he still pulled out a running draw kick on the floor right in the beginning of the match. That was so awesome. And uh yeah, that was probably my favorite match of the night. And I thought those all the the whole show was, was, was pretty good and pretty entertaining and yeah, an easy watch. I really liked the juniors tag title match in the beginning. I just hated the ref bump. It's like, man, why? Why do you need a ref bump in the opener? It could just be a queen win by the heel. Like it's just that's a little too much Americanized stuff is creeping into the product and, and that is really just a turn off for me because you we want like we talk about this every week like we want an alternative to WWE you know yeah. I'm saying we don't like WWE it's just like we just want something different you know, it's like, it's, you know instead of all being the same thing <laughs> yeah yeah um, 
so the my I had one qualm with uh, Skrull and Kushida. The beginning of the match when they kept doing all those goofy reversals, um, mm-hmm. like there was a time in wrestling when that was kind of uh, kind of cool and it was in vogue and stuff. And I just I just remember I just remember thinking like when uh, the WWE divas would try to replicate <laughs> that stuff, and I was like, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, this reminds me of a uh, of of a 2012 WWE Divas match. I was like, let's get out of this stuff and actually have the match instead of all these goofy reversals. I mean, they did them. They did them so well, but it's just like yeah. I was like, ah, I don't I don't want to be reminded of that. So, move on, move on, get to the, the match. Yeah, the only negative about that she scroll match at the beginning that was well, yeah, you're right. The, the chain wrestling part, the reversals and all stuff was a little I think they're trying to be a little too fluid and just more look like a performance of like two guys struggling to, to counter in first hold. Yeah. But like after the top rope tiger suplex, like it went way too long after that. Like mm-hmm. that was a big, that could have been, that sh- maybe should have been the finish, right? Cause I think it was, it was, yeah, it was scroll that took it. So and Kushida won, like I would, I would think that would be, the, like, and how can you go bigger than that, right? But they were trying to tell a story with the broken hands and all that stuff, and mm-hmm. it, it was, it, it was, it was still really good. Um, other things I I liked. It's cool to see you know Osprey's finally moving to heavyweight division, which is cool to see. His reaction to winning the match was actually garbage. Like that was horrible. Like over. <laughs> yeah. overreacting yeah yeah, and yeah, we're, talk yeah, about this. yeah. we're also going to talk about this later during the super show but like just that overreacting to these wins or kickouts just drive me freaking insane oh i hate it it just this screams like oh, this is goofy and not real and takes you just for me it just takes you right out of it right out of it and i just i just can't stand it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um so, <clears throat> I mean, all, all all signs point to the Tokyo Dome, so that's where they're building now. Jericho and, and Evil are going to have a match upcoming. I eh, I was kind of the the Jericho stuff is a little too same same for me now. Like, uh, you know, obviously some of it is because he's he's been so good at it, and now every time we're like wondering, okay, how's he going to outdo himself here? But uh, mm-hmm. I mean, that that'll be a good match with Evil, and I'm guessing they're going to set up uh, Jericho and and Naito. For Tokyo Dome, which would be great because their first match was great, um, and uh, and yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward. I mean, I think we'll probably be in a little bit of a lull for for New Japan because there's not going to be any IWGP ta- uh, title matches. But I guess they got the juniors tag tournament, and then they got the uh, the the main tag tournament uh, for the end of the year. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. Let's hope our, our, let's hope our main man Jeff Cobb comes back for that tag team tournament. I know. Who who do you think would be his tag team partner? Um, I'm sure, I, mean, I assume they'll just put him with Elgin again, mm-hmm. but it'd be cool if they put him with someone else, like a Hanare or something. And again, Hanare was teaming with Juice, and I thought they made a pretty combination, pretty good combination on the show. But I also like that combination of Juice and Finley, too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But it'd be cool to have like Hanare with Jeff. He, you know, Hanare's all that fire and come in, and Jeff can come in with all those cool moves. Yeah, that would be so much better because you know if they put him with Elgin. They're on, they're not going to go past a certain level because they don't want Elgin to to be in any of these high really high high matches yet for whatever re- you know for well, well, for the Hanare, reason that we know. Really, I mean, 
But then, but then Jeff becomes kind of like the junior of the team like with Elgin, and Elgin's going to do a million things to kind of outshine from Jeff. And, you know, he'd be the setup man. Jeff will be the setup man for Elgin. It'd be kind of cool if they put Jeff in a position where he, like a younger guy like Hanare is you know, setting up for Jeff. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Um, okay, so we did talk, uh, you did mention WWE, and let's talk about that Super Showdown show. Now, I didn't watch the last two matches um i got the the main the main match i wanted to see was aj styles and samojo and i watched that match i thought it was really good and then i wanted to watch daniel bryan and the miz and then somebody told me that it was two minutes long and i was like well f this why am i gonna waste my time watching that match and then i really had no interest in watching triple h and undertaker like after watching john cena and triple h from that uh, saudi arabia show where i was like okay this is uh a house show match where neither guy really cares. Now, from what I understand, you know, Triple H was was out there, you know, and they were out there for a long time. But, you know, I, can't, I didn't really want to watch Undertaker mm-hmm. for half an hour. Uh, but, you know, how was that match? And did you did, – I, I, I have two um, – I've heard two sides. One, it was really slow. You had to watch it in 2x speed. Shouldn't have gone that long. Should have been 10 minutes. And then the other side was like – I really respect and commend them for trying to do a long, important match. Even if it wasn't as good, they were like, they tried, you know, they tried to, to do something and, and give it some importance because of that angle at the end and setting up the tag match. So what, like, where were you with that whole thing? Um, well, first of all, it can't be 10 minutes because you can't tell that story in 10 minutes. It had to be longer. Um, I noticed but I was shocked to see, like, I, I, I figured, I mean, I know like going in, like Undertaker was going to be slow. Yeah. It was slower and, and all that. And that, and that's what we saw. He was definitely a lot better than recent outings, but like triple H looked like a step slower than he usually is. And yeah. he's usually, you know, but, but you know, he's also not probably in ring shape. He, he looks great, but like he's still, you know, he's not in there as wrestling as much. So, and I'm sure he has to slow it down a tad bit for for Undertaker too, you know, to keep a certain pace. So it was really slow moving. Um, they did tell a, you know, I thought they executed the story well. It just went, you know, I wouldn't say 30 minutes was a little too long, but maybe you keep it 20, 20, 20 minutes probably be best. Um, the crowd was, was interesting during this match because I expected a more heated crowd reaction and maybe maybe like it was heated in the in the building but like when I came across the network like it seemed like the crowd was like super into it as much you yeah, know so yeah. I, as I, I was expecting well I also heard, I, I also lot. heard people say that you know because of the way that the building was structured it was kind of hard or and like there were there were excuse, like yeah I, I don't know what is true or what is not but I heard same thing, but then also people saying, "Well, you know, the sound is a little bit different in this building. It probably was a little bit louder, but but maybe it, you know, maybe it didn't come through as much." Yeah, they brawled early on. You know, they they brawl all around the all around the ringside and, and like in the crowd, which was I thought was kind of cool because I haven't seen a I don't think I've ever seen a big stadium brawl like that. You're like especially in a big arena like that or a big building like that. So that was cool. But it was funny when they're getting towards getting back towards the ring there's a spot where like a guardrail was like angled angled so like looked like it was going to be Undertaker and give Triple H a pile driver no Triple H was going to give Undertaker a pile driver and he was going to 
and jump him over and you know take the backdrop into the garbo but like he like he's like oh fuck this they didn't <laughs> <laughs> it was just like it was kind of I don't know what happened there so that's what it came off to me that I thought that was pretty entertaining but um, the angle at the end I, I don't think the fans are really wanting to you know boo the Undertaker or Kane and I don't, it's interesting that the Triple H and, and HBK are like in the babyface role as DX. I think they fear DX for more babyfaces, but the fans really don't want to boo the Undertaker either. So that's that, that's a kind of a weird dynamic right there. So, but overall, I actually like Super Show. I was talking to my friend earlier today, and he wasn't too high on it, which I thought was kind of surprised by his opinion on it. But but I did overall I thought it was a pretty easy watch, and I don't know maybe because I watched it earlier than I was expecting to watch it, so I was kind of just a little more awake, but. I kind of breezed right through it and I thought AJ and Samoa Joe was really, really good. Did not need the hardcore stipulation. I know they had this issue with personal stuff. It just didn't need it at all. They just should have just had a great match, especially they're using chairs and all of a sudden, boom, right before the undertaker triple H match, they announced that it's going to be a no disqualification match. Mm-hmm. So now we're seeing chairs again. So now we're seeing chairs for the second time. So that makes that lose. It's, you know, Lose its luster when you're doing that, and just, but I thought that was a, I thought that was a hell of a hell of a match. Really, I just thought that was fantastic. You know, my favorite part um, of the, my favorite my favorite part of that match is is uh, we know that Joe is a big man, and we know that AJ is not a big man, and so when he tries to put that calf crusher on Joe, mm-hmm. he's struggling like all. Oh, he's just like I can't. I can barely get this dude's leg up and in some instances like it was it was a little humorous because it was like oh so you're trying to say joe's fat but the reality is he's not he's just a big guy and and aj should struggle to put the calf pressure on him that was my favorite part there was yeah there was one one like crazy reversal into it that i thought was just slick i just wish they would have been hardcore ass thing um he didn't watch Miz versus. Uh, I did not uh, watch that match. Miz versus Dan Bryan. That yeah, you know, they're trying to tell this like quick win and shocking finish, but like it was funny. Like when the pin happened, like the crowd had zero reaction. Like they were like in shock. Like it was almost like they're. But in a way, it's good though. You got to do these kind of finishes to kind of educate the crowd, and it's gonna so you know, did, first did, time you do it, you're not gonna get that reaction. But that you're expecting it's gonna be like a huh. Eventually, if you do it a few times here and there, it'll definitely be something special later on. Yeah. Did Did you see what uh, Daniel Bryan, uh, Daniel Bryan and AJ were calling Miz on SmackDown? Yeah, so they the, use it for like heat, right, for Two Minute Man or something like that. They just keep calling him Two Minute Man, uh, obviously <laughs> with the sexual, uh, you know, subtly the, the sexual diss. But yeah, that's what, that's and what they're calling the whole time. Did you watch the Cruiserweight Talent match? I watched half of it and then I had I was had to stop and then I never picked it back up. Yeah, so Buddy Buddy Murphy's a real talent and he's he's a major player and it's unfortunate that he's kinda like in this two oh five live where no one's really watching it. No one just select hardcore fans, so it's good that you know the crowd that tuned in saw him get a big reaction in his hometown or something, you know. But I think he should be moved up. And I think my idea, this is what I would do with him, is I would have him as a the cruiserweight champion for one year. 
He goes on a raw. It announces after his after his one year that he's moving up in weight. He's retiring as cruiserweight champion, and now he's going to move up to the main, you know, to SmackDown or Raw. But he hasn't decided yet. So now you have the SmackDown general manager, the Raw general manager, both trying to negotiate for him to join their brand. It's almost like the Macho Man thing, you know, him coming in and mm-hmm. all the managers wanting him. Right? I just think Flavor Murphy has that talent has that has that to be a major player and he is a good talker from what I understand and from what people have been telling me. So and he seems to have it all. So I I, I, I hope that he is given the opportunity because we need to replace a guy like a Randy Orton, you know, eventually and a John Cena and these guys on top. We need to freshen up this card. How uh how but how do you get him enough uh, visibility with the, your casual fan base in order to make him a valuable thing like that. Because obvious, just by being on 205 Live and saying that I'm the 205 Live champ, you already have that stench on him to that Raw or SmackDown fan base. No, I know, and I know, and I know. But here's the thing: so like they're gonna, they're, 205 is not going away. So you have to like do highlight packages. Each Raw, each SmackDown, a 205 Live, it has to be done. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they don't do this. They need to do it for 205 Live. They need to do it for the women's uh, tournament. They need to do it for NXT. And eventually they're going to have to do it for NXT UK. They, there should be a segment on each show where they show like highlights of this stuff. So people like want to go, hey, you know what? If they, only have, if they have a network, they don't watch 205 Live. Maybe they want to turn it, you know? So... But also, you gotta you gotta kind of filter Buddy Murphy and Cruiserweight two or five guys back into the Raw show somewhere, right? Like they were doing, but not make it purple ropes and stupid shit like that. Like just have them wrestle a feature bout to lead into two or five lives again, like they used to do. And that's why that's what I would do. That's what I would do. But. But at the same time, you know, like when Buddy Murphy comes up after being champion for a year, people are like, whoa, this guy must have been something, right? Mm-hmm. And then the real angle is him being negotiated with the general managers. And that's like, oh, man, they both want this guy. Why they both want him? You know, he's really that good. And if whoever signs him, then you just don't cut his legs off and have him drop to AJ Styles, like, after his debut. You know what I mean? Like, you make him destroy people for, like, a few months and if, and then finally he you know keeps getting bigger wins and big wins and you build them up to a title match. Yeah. It's yeah. not rocket science, folks. <laughs> that's that's the uh that's my second favorite line to uh, I'm not a doctor, but And then <laughs> you could throw a you could throw a fellow Aussie with him, Rhea Ripley, bring her up. What a combination. Right, yeah. pair them up. So yeah. then, then you kind of make it more of a, a a package deal, and then she can offer wrestle, and she's going to be a future star. And now you got two future stars on your roster. It's just this. It's just it's just right there for them to 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 build for the future. Right, it's right there in front of them right now. And, and that UK show that you mentioned is already next week on the network. Yeah, that's crazy, and it's and it's it's kind of sucks. Like, I mean. UK show, yeah, too many shows for me to watch, but like, it just sucks seeing like Tony Storm and Aria Ripley like on a show like that where I feel like it should be on the main roster, especially especially right now Tony Storm, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, I, I didn't want to really talk about this uh, a lot, but it's it's I think it's going to become a much bigger story very soon, and WWE is going to have to figure out if they're going to pretend it doesn't exist or if they're going to make a statement. They made a little bit of a statement today, and I'm talking about the Saudi Arabia thing. They just said that they're looking into it. So the main story, and a shout-out to my buddy Alex Goff. He's the one that, that sends me a lot of this stuff when it comes to Saudi Arabia because we talk about, you know, WWE, like, being involved with them. And so, you know, every, I think most people know that, you know, there was a, there was a journalist who was, uh, who was killed. And um, the story came out that, you know, the, the guy that they're, that, that they're dealing with, this crown prince guy, was uh you know was involved in some way and you know I I don't know if everyone knows what the real story is quite yet but they have some ideas, um but anyway, WWE is uh is still promoting this crown crown jewel show, um and and it's a big one I mean they they had DX cut uh, cut a, an opening segment um, promo. All about their match with Kane and the Undertaker. It's Shawn Michaels' comeback is is going to be on this show. And uh, by the way, if if I, I wish that people who uh, you know it's too too bad like TNA ROH can't do this stuff because they're there's they're just not there's just not enough eyeballs on those products. But like, man, I was so hoping for like a being the elite where they like spoof fifty year old DX. <laughs> Because uh, that that promo was quite the uh, it, it kind of bummed me out actually watching these guys, um, <clears throat> but but uh, but yeah so you know they're they're head, they're right into promoting promoting the show and it's full steam ahead and now this news is kind of getting louder and you know just today they said they were going to look into it but I mean I'm not sure what they do because even if even if they want to not do the show they have so much invested in it Brock Lesnar the DX thing like how would you even change like I, I don't know maybe I mean maybe you could change the uh, the place where it where it is but you don't get that money um, and you could ruin you know future business with them but like how would you even change it from a, from like a storyline aspect like you're promoting this thing and then the thing doesn't happen like how, can you even like how would you even get around that you're not going to do it you're just going to with it there's too much money involved. There's money involved. Unfortunately, they're, they're you know they're just they're they're not gonna they're not gonna pull out unless it's it gets the heat gets too much on them. But I, I don't see I don't see them pulling out at all. And it's a stacked car. As some of the, it's, and a lot of big matches. I just feel like it's kind of a letdown that's on the Saudi Arabia show. Like I don't know if the Saudi Arabia fans would really appreciate a Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles match. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Um, I just think I, I kind of wish it was on a different show with the uh, American audience that's really invested in that kind of match. I feel Miz is going to get involved anyways and kind of ruin it and probably end up being a three-way program anyways. But but uh, but yeah, it's, it's just they'll go through with it. It's just way 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 too much way too much money involved and <clears throat> to get out of this. But let but let's say let's say that um, a I think I think. News. I think Newsweek may have had something about it, but you know this 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 story. I don't think is going to go away. Now attaching WWE to this story, uh, who knows if that you know how much that happens? But like, what if like all of a sudden you know they're they're being covered on um, 
ESPN or I don't know, ESPN is probably the wrong place, but you know, a, a news website and they're bringing light to this show WWE is doing at the uh, behest of this guy who, uh, you know, who supposedly is 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 partially at least um, responsible for for this journalist, you know, getting killed. Like they're like I, you know, they're a public company. Like this kind of news well, can like, tank the stock, right? Yeah. Like theoretically, it could. Right, right, you're right. That's that's how things would change. If stock starts dropping, people, you know, have issue with it. Then yes, something will happen. But until then, it's they're going through with it. All right, that's that's the uh, that that's the last of the politics uh, for us. Well, hopefully, <laughs> ho- hopefully for a while. But maybe if something happens next week, we might have to talk about it again. Uh, okay, May yeah. Young May Young Classic. Um, I. This show, uh, we've 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 been saying this. It's just very easy to watch. Uh, I like you know I like the fact that it's very clear. Even even in all the matchups, like you know we know who we know who won, but then like I forgot who won, so all these matchups are really fresh to me. Um, yeah. But it's pretty clear in the announcing and in the video packages, like who is probably going to win, and I like the fact that heading into the quarterfinals that the people who win win semi-convincingly so that they stand out and they look great mm-hmm. and that there's not a lot of back and forth to where, you know, it, there could be an upset. Now, that could also work too. And But I just like the fact that it really feels like at the end of the day, based on the booking, that these are probably like the eight best, right? Like at least – at least it feels that way because of the way that they've booked this tournament that the final eight really feel like the top eight are going to, are going to be there. Yeah, I agree with what I'm saying. Like, you know, obviously this, this year's tournament's deeper. So there's that, there's a lot more other quality women in it. So yeah, I mean, definitely feels like it, it, these are the top eight and the matches this week are, were good. I really enjoyed the show. Um, I thought it was pretty, like another easy watch. Like I really enjoyed these matches. Like I, it's like the fastest hour of wrestling in my mm-hmm. opinion. Like it just kind of like comes and it's over, and it, like, like I really enjoy it. And you know the other thing is, is I think the personalities are really, really getting over. Like I think the first week, I was like, oh, Diana Perazzo. Like I know she's a name. I've never really seen her. And then this week, she was like. I'm Deanna Perazzo. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I saw a little bit of an edge. I was like, Oh, like she's like, yeah, she's, she stands out. Um, and then obviously, you know, you know, EO, the EO's great. Um, Tegan Knox, I'm still like, not, not that she's not talented, but originally like we heard that she was possibly going to win this thing. I'm not sure exactly how she's better than some of the women who who she would have won over, but she definitely has something. Um, and then, you know, I was actually rooting for Caitlyn. I think they should bring back Caitlyn. Like, put Caitlyn back on the main roster, man. I really, really like Caitlyn. Yeah, she looked really good. And uh, and Mia looked really good, too. So that they definitely exceeded all expectations. Like, it's, again, I didn't expect... I don't know. With Caitlyn, I liked I liked her. I liked her when she was first up, and I just think she's. I was just surprised how really good that match was. Whoever that agent was on that match, 
gotta give that person credit too because they told a really cool story and there's some really innovative stuff with the hand. Um, actually, I found a little more interesting than even Kishida and Marty Scroll, right? That's their thing. So, um, I don't know who the agent was. I, I, you know, I assume maybe Sky Duhati, but it was, it was, it was really well laid out. Like, I, that, that, I was first when I was like, wait, why are they putting on Caitlin and Mia in the, in the, in, in the main event, the final match? Yeah. Yeah, the main event of the night, and it's like, well, shit. You know, they had a the, they had a really good match, and I actually like the show because they booked it in with a really a, a really good match in the opener with uh, Io Shirai and C Beakley. Have you figured out their name now? <laughs> I, I was trying to listen closely. I <laughs> yeah, and it's I, I think all three announcers pronounce her name differently. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny, as you say, Diana Perazzo, because today. I was just uh, discussing the Mae Young class with a good friend of mine, and we were talking about Xia Lee and how I'll tell how like I I enjoyed her charisma and her fire. Yeah, yeah. And you know she's only been wrestling for like a really short time. She only had a handful of matches. But I was like, well, I was trying to remember who she wrestled, and I couldn't remember, and he couldn't remember either. And we were going through the list of names, and we both, and then he's like, well, shit, maybe this person didn't stand out. <laughs> <laughs> so it was pretty funny that you were like, "Oh, Diana Peraza." I was like, "Oh yeah, that's who she." Or when you said her name, like that's who she was wrestling. See, that's how I felt and, about uh, her in the first week. I was like, "Oh, so this is sort of who she is," and I was like, "Eh, like she's cool." But in this match, I noticed that she just had more of an edge. Like she did things where mm-hmm. she was like, you know, you could tell that she was. Another, you know, that is obviously, you, like you said, you know, the other the other woman is not is not a veteran, um, but there there was like a sense of you know uh, of personality and like the way that she carried herself yeah. that I thought was 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 much better, but um, but yeah, so uh, I, I I enjoyed it too. Now, um, the uh, another thing that I really liked is in the Caitlyn match. So, you know, she's working on the hand, and Mia Yim's selling the hand, but then Mia Yim goes for the knee, and so Caitlin, you know, has this sort of come-to-Jesus meeting with herself, and is like, I gotta tap, so she taps, and she's mm-hmm. so frustrated from tapping, and so, you know, one of my qualms with this tournament is, like, when people win, if they're the if they're the, the healed, and they start crying, and, and you know, I was making fun of... Uh, <laughs> Who was I making fun of? One of one of the other ones, but I was China, like, China. yeah, that's who it was. But I was like, oh, you know, Caitlyn lost. I wonder if she's gonna kind of, you know, because this is kind of like a, a this was a comeback for her, and 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 so she had to, you know, she had to come back and 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 get back in the mix. And I was like, oh, I wonder if she's gonna like kind of cry and then forget to sell her knee that was sitting in this knee bar for forty five seconds. Nope, she's like limping. Like the referee's gotta like hold her, help her hold her, and then they go back and hug. But Caitlin like is so beat up and frustrated. I was like, ah, that was so great. Yeah, I like the 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 cool kind of cool spot was like the fake out, like punch me. So Mia punches her. Mia has a bad hand, so she punches. But it was a fake out, so Caitlin can move. So she punched the mat, so she can. I think she locked on a submission or something like that at that point from her quickly. So I thought that was really creative. Like I never seen that before. So I, like I said, whoever the agent was on this match, dude, they got to give that person their due too. Cause they all came together and created like a really, really, really good match. 
And uh, yeah, I thought this, uh, the match I didn't really care for the Tegan Knox Nicole Matthews match. I thought that was pretty, pretty uh, Tegan Tegan Knox I like, and you know her winning it originally the plan from what I understand makes sense. I think that WWE is really into this comeback story because like the, you know WWE is all about the story, mm-hmm. and the girl that was supposed to be in it last year didn't get in. She got this major knee injury, and now. Um, I think they were hoping that she was going to win it, but well, of course we'll see soon why she doesn't, and that's going to be another tragic story for another another tournament. I, know, I hope that, she that poor definitely girl. makes a comeback. I mean, honestly, when I watch her, watch her. I think like I just kind of I really I really my heart feels for her because like you know, like God man, another setback, another knee injury. It's just ugh, horrible. Yeah, yeah, that it sucks. It really does suck. Um, so, uh, so the quarterfinals are going to be next week and then that sets up the semifinals the following week. And then the WWE pay-per-view is that, is that weekend. So for the, uh, for the quarterfinals, we have Sadamura versus Lacey Lane. We have, uh, me Yim versus, uh, Tony Storm. We have Knox versus Rhea Ripley and Peraza versus Ishirai. So, you know, it's it, we're gonna get to the final four, and I think the final four is gonna be pretty badass. So, I, I you know, and, and with the yeah. with the the semifinals being that the sh- I think the show is still an hour long, so those matches will probably be a little bit longer to stretch yeah. out sort of the you know, the full full hour. So, I'm really excited for these next two weeks. It's kind of like what we've been waiting to get to, and thankfully. The stuff has been good uh, prior, so um, so I think it's I think this tournament has been really fun. Did you hear <clears throat> that possibly Trish Stratus and Lita are going to stick around after the Evolution pay per view? I got the bug, huh? Wow! I, I mean, I won't be shocked. I won't be shocked that if that happens, um, but it can definitely give a shabby arm a little bit to the women. You know, uh, I know Ronda's doing well but it'd be kind of cool to see a ronda trish match i think that could be oh man that could be actually the wrestlemania match now that i've been hearing that uh, maybe charlotte and ronda might be off are they are they they're cooling on they're cooling on charlotte because they booked her in an like a in a terrible feud (laughs) (laughs) well i don't know about that but if you have a true stratus right that's you know a, a legendary you know, female competitor, right? You know, you know, all, always promoted as the all-time great, right? Versus Ronda, I, I can see them thinking that's like a huge match for WrestleMania, maybe a little bigger than Ronda versus Charlotte. Even though I, I, I would prefer Ronda versus Charlotte. Yeah. Um, but uh, now that we now that you asked information, I'm just right right away. I thought about Ronda Trish and. Um, yeah, that, that could be it. So I, I, I I just saw a rumor. It was on one of the, you know, one of the wrestling websites that is more of a news aggregator that gets news from like the more paid websites. So he, he sourced, uh, Mike Johnson from pro wrestling insider and, you know, Mike Johnson is usually on with his stuff. So, um, yeah, it sounds like they want Trish and Lita to be, uh, in as a, as a tag team. Um, possibly let me see if I can read it. Uh, Mike Johnson shared information. Um, so, so here, here's the difference in his story. So he says 
that the Trish and Lita tag match, because it was originally it was Trish against Alexa Bliss and Lita against Mickey James, and then they turned it into a tag match. Uh, Dave says that that was the, that was the match all along. Mike Johnson says that they made the audible because they've developed plans to keep them around as a tag team after Evolution. Um, that would only make sense to me if they are thinking about making a women's tag team title. Because without the women's tag team title, why do you need Trish and Lita to be a tag team? So it's kind of weird. Well, it's been talked about, I'm sure. So um, I, I got, I have no doubt feel that they will be doing a tag team, women's tag team division. But it's weird because they have the girls spread out the two different rosters. If they had one roster for the women, I think that would make more sense. But yeah, I just think it's too thin. Like, what are you going to do? Well, now? I mean, if, if Brie could be on both shows, maybe the maybe the women's tag champs can be on both shows. Maybe that's just this is where, this is where the two brands get really funky and and stuff. So yeah. Um. Okay, I think it's time for uh, everyone's favorite uh, segment. What's John watching? Uh, well, I'm watching a lot as usual. Uh, I watched the recent MLW show with the uh, main event with LA Park versus Pentagon and a Mexican massacre match. Um, it was a good brawl. It was a good brawl. It went a little too long, but it, it was good and, and um, exciting for the most part. You know, Pentagon getting his mask ripped off, and you know, I mean, you don't see his face, but you know, halfway off, and it was a good fun show. Like MLW is like one of my favorite hours of wrestling to watch. I, I look forward to every week, and I've been watching weekly for the last, I don't know, six, six, eight weeks now. I feel like, and uh, they have a really good roster, and and uh, you know, like to follow my good friend Tom Lawler on there, and send that <laughs> good friend of the. Meltzer Wrestling Observer community family. So, but he's really good though. Like, I like watching his work. Like he's so passionate about it, and he's such a character, and he's really good. So, uh, definitely, that's what, like my highlight is when Tom's on, and then they're building up to a big match with him and Shane Strickland coming up, which I think will be be really interesting. And um, uh, they have this manager, Serena De La Rata is her name, and. And she's like really good. Like she's really good as this character. I really believe her as like this boss kind of girl, you know. And and she manages low key, and and um, she's feuding with Conan and Pentagon and Ray Phoenix, and it just uh, she's she brought in L.A. Park for to get revenge on Pentagon and as this bounty hunter. And I don't know. She's just really like like a, a really good character. I could definitely see WWE swooping her up soon, you know, because I think she. I don't know if she wrestles or not. I, I, I go look into her more. Look, look her up. Look into her career. But like, as a character, as just a manager, I think she does really, really well. And uh, she's one of the highlights of the show for me. And I watched um, All Japan's Cork and Hall show, which was was pretty good. Um, the crowd was a little lighter, a little over a thousand people, which is not. I don't know. It was a weaker main event, being just a tag title match, a tag match that was building to a title match later on. On October 21st with Zeus and Kento Miyahara. But they had a great junior title match with uh, uh, Sato and Suji Kondo, which was really hard hitting. Uh, the story was uh, Sato, the submission guy, working on Kondo's uh, clothesline arm, which he is known for his King Kong clothesline. He takes people's head off of that. 
they told a really good story. The if you watch All Japan, if you're the New Japan Juniors, New Japan Juniors are a little more flashy. Um, All Japan Juniors are very. Um, they don't do a lot of dive out, a lot of dive outs. It's a lot of just hard hitting wrestling. So um, I, I, I like the, the different styles that they bring compared to like New Japan. So I, it makes it for a fun watch. It was a fun show. And just tonight, and this is wrestling related, uh, you watch the you watch sitcom Superstore. I don't even know what that is. Well, it's about like a Walmart. It's a sitcom. It's Really, really funny. I love it. It's one of my favorite shows on TV today. And as I'm watching the show, I notice a certain someone walking around in the background. And it was the APW Light Heavyweight Champion, Jungle Boy. Oh, wow. Comes walking through as an extra. So I immediately text him. I said, hey, man, I'm watching Superstore. I, Did you do some extra work on the background? He's like, holy cow, I can't believe it's out already. Yeah. <laughs> like, he didn't realize it was out already. And uh, and it's kind of like, he's the background, kind of blurred, but like, how can you miss that hair? Right? Yeah, exactly. Like, the Jungle Boy just comes flying through, like, just walking in, the, it's at a Walmart setting, so like, he's in the grocery store, he's like, walking by, and like, in the background, I just thought it was the coolest, so we, we chatted for a little bit, catching up, and, uh, you know, he's getting into uh, stunt work, um, that's what he's, he wants to do and getting into, I think he'll be great at it, but it takes some time. It's not, he's, I, I guess it's a hard thing to get into, but you know, once you start getting into doing some stuff and you start moving in, like he said, he only did like one stunt job so far. So, uh, when he gets into it, he's going to be great. Cause he's a hell of a kid, hell of a talent. Uh, and he has that unique charisma. I want him on the cast of Superstore. I want him in there. Cause like they have these, revolving minor characters because it's in this grocery, uh, grocery store in Walmart. So they have these like minor characters that work there. So I think he'd be perfect with that big fro hair and everything and just be like, maybe kind of like that surfer dude that kind of like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just fancy booking Superstore. But <laughs> it, was a, it was a kick. It was a kick to see him in Superstore because I'm a big mark for that show. It's like my, probably my second favorite show going right now on network television. So I, I, the jungle boy for, being on it. I, I got to tell my um, meeting Luke Perry story yesterday to somebody uh, really obviously related to Jungle Boy. Um, we, were at an, we were in an offsite uh, with my team and we were kind of just goofing off with each other and, and like doing what you would call superlatives, like, you know, giving each other like fake awards, like most likely to, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so all of mine obviously were like pop culture or, or 902 and no related. And so then um, as we were doing this and I was getting like my superlatives, I get a text from one of my friends. Uh, she goes, you'll never guess who I ran into in at the SFO bathroom. And she goes, <laughs> Tiffany Amber Thiessen. I was like, oh, wow, awesome. Like, how does she look? I mean, you know, I'm sure she's still really beautiful. And so then I'm telling, like, my coworkers, and they're like, who's that? Oh, wait, Saved by the Bell? Okay, you know, because they're all younger. And so then um, later that evening, we're at dinner and uh, get a get a text, for, or not a text, but a tweet, a DM from Dave Dutra, who was at the book signing of Tiffany Amber Thiessen. And so I got two Tiffany Amber Thiessen uh, messages in, in one day. 
which then kicks off this discussion about Tiffany Amber Thiessen at dinner, then kicks off a discussion about Luke Perry and his kid and me meeting Luke Perry and me writing about meeting Luke Perry. And then today it is Luke Perry's birthday. So how is that Whoa. for a whole it's just a 90210 uh, uh, atmosphere in the air. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, and, then, and, cap, and capped it off, not only our discussion about tonight, but the surprise appearance, <laughs> ABW Lightweight Champion, Jungle Boy on <laughs> Superstore. Hell of a night, man. <laughs> Hell of a night. I, uh, you, know, you know me, I'm really high on uh, Jungle Boy. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. So it was just... It was just it was just so cool to see him on there, and it uh, it just was like it was fun. It was it was it was awesome to see. And then I, I like I said, I'm gonna hit up the Bruisers. I'm I'm gonna tweet it out. I'm getting Chuckle Boy casted on Superstore more often. He doesn't even have a tw- does he even up. have a Twitter account? I don't think so. No, he doesn't. Ratings will go up. Yeah, ratings exactly. will go up. Exactly. They're gonna be like. They're going to be like, who's that Who's that young, handsome baby face on TV? And then someone's going to say, that's Luke the, Perry's son. The show is the show is fantastic, by the way. Because like, I, like, I worked at Kmart like, after high school, like, or, like my senior year of high school. So like, it just throws back like, memories of all the shenanigans and the wackiness of retail, right? Oh, hell yeah. I mean, anyone, that worked, anyone that worked retail would, would definitely appreciate this show. It's hilarious. Blockbuster video for life, man. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so just la- last part here is uh, just seeing how, how how seeing what's going on with the kids. So I'll, I'll go first this time because uh, I'll go quick. Um, my my oldest because I have two quick ones. So my oldest, uh, I was hanging out with my youngest and his mom um, on Sunday, watching the football game. And so then uh, my ex-wife calls my oldest on uh, um, on FaceTime. You know, I, I don't he and I just text. I don't FaceTime him. And so she's like, oh, have, did you ever tell your dad? And he's like, no. And I was like, oh, God, here we go. What's going on? And she's like, well, why don't you just show him? And I was like, oh, what did he do? And so he has uh, he has earrings. He has two earrings in in uh, one in each ear. So he's trying to bring you know trying to bring that back. And then all of a sudden he's got the little nose nostril stud in. And so I was oh like, so I was like, okay, like is this going to be like a piercing fetish? Like what's going on here? But according to him, he's it's it's either got to be one or the other. He's either nose. Or earrings. He can't be all at the same time. So he's trying to keep it, you know, he's trying to keep it cool. He's not going over the top with the with the earring stuff. But my second one is, you know, I have a senior in, in high school. And he, uh, he just is not, like, on top of his stuff. Like, it's just not, like, he's just not interested. He's a senior. So he's just kind of like, uh, so I, I basically... I was uh, I, I was over and then I was like putting helping him put together a schedule. Okay, here's your week. This is how much you got to study for this. This is how much you got to study for that. Here's your homework. This class, that class. Trying to get him off on a good foot. And so uh, I I was also over there on on Monday, and uh, and so we're hanging out. And I go okay. So we put your itinerary together. Here's your week. 
let's get studying, like show me that, that you're studying here. And so he just pulls out his phone and I guess he's studying off of the book on his phone. And then he's get, he's getting like notifications and he's like, can't keep, like, he can't just pay attention. I'm like, what, like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, like notification came off. Cause then he's like asking me questions about stuff while he's supposed to be studying. And so then I thought, I was like, you know what? Like all of these schools, you know, damn these private schools, because why doesn't he have a book? He needs a hardcover book that weighs down his backpack so that when he walks to school, he feels the the, the knowledge on his shoulders. <laughs> and everything is just in the phone and in the iPad and, and in the cloud and I'm just like, no wonder these kids aren't tough anymore, man. They don't even carry, you know, 30 pounds of books on their backs as they go to school. No. Like, like, my back still hurts from, like, junior year in high school, having, like, four books in one backpack and splits the zipper because it's too big. It's like, man, yeah. what's going on here? So I was a little frustrated with that, but the kid needs to really step up his game, man, because... We have plans. Like he's got to, he's got to go to college. I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to. I, I got plans, man. These kids need to go to college and do their own thing. <laughs> All right. What, 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 what about what's going on with the LaRocca children? Well, yeah, Hunter is. He rolled over for the first time yesterday, so he went from his back to his stomach, which is you know, big deal. Nice he's, landmark. He's at, yeah, Katrina's telling me that he's already starting to scoot a little bit. So, holy cow. He's itching to go play with Chloe. Like, he just sits there. Like, you put him on your lap. He just watches Chloe like a hawk and laughs and laughs and laughs. And he's just like, she, like he gets all excited. He just can't wait to just join her, right? So, he'll be walking soon, I think. He'll be an early walker like Chloe, which yay for me. And Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, Chloe, of course, the game, the master manipulator, manipulator, uh, Cutest could be uh, just today. I found out, like you know, I asked her what she wants for dinner, and it's like she only has like a a few things that she really wants to eat, and it's, you kind of gotta like you kind of try to introduce new things over time. But like she's like, I want peanut butter and jelly. She looks love the way I make peanut butter jelly sandwich. Like <laughs> take a little cookie cutter and make it in the shape. She loves this pumpkin shaped one. She just loves it, right? <laughs> and so, like, Katrina comes home from work, and she's like, oh, did Chloe eat her? I said, oh, yeah, I made her peanut butter jelly sandwich. She's like, I made her one for lunch. <laughs> we, told, we tried not to repeat it, right? And I was like, but I asked her, like, what she had for lunch. I'm like, oh, did you? I was all, do you want, like, a quesadilla? She's like, no, I had it for, like, she basically said, I had it for, um, mommy made it for me. And she lied. <laughs> she lied. She got another... More got a little sugar, you know, in her again, and I was like, ah, man, took it for a sucker, but, <laughs> but no, she's you, 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 you were, you were, uh, you were Okada coming off the ropes into the gun stun. Yeah, she got me, <laughs> and I, I think I told this before that you know when we put Chloe to bed, you know, it's a whole production, right? Oh yeah, and and so like. You know, she wants to hear stories, right? So we don't read the book for we don't read her book. Now we just tell our own story. And I had the story about the little bear and the big bad wolf. And it's about sharing, and you know, I just kind of came with it one night. But now it's like my my she wants to hear it. And but now, Chloe wants to tell her story to me.
And it's like this thing, dude. Like I, I just like sit there, the biggest smile on my face. It just melts my heart because he's telling the story that I made of my. There's a little twist of it being a girl with a bear, and it's just like I don't know. I just like just love it. I just love it so much. I don't. Know. I guess mean what I love about it. I don't mean it's super cute, but I think it's like a kind of like a cool like. Yeah, my story really like sticks with her. Mm-hmm, you know I mean? I don't mm-hmm. know. Just, yeah, no, it's cool. Uh, it's it's a cute. And like she wants you to sit down, and she sits on her little couch that she has in her room next to her bed. It's like a little Mickey Minnie Mouse cow, which is she tells you the story in her little cute voice. It's 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 damn this best. I remember like just the other night, which she didn't do it tonight, which was, was kind of a bummer. But but last night she did it. I just remember looking at her, like listening to the story. I just remember thinking like. This is what life's about, man. You know, like this is like these moments right here are going to last forever and ever. And I just took it all in. I, I soaked it in. I kind of wanted to go slow because <laughs> it was just, it's just the best. It's just the absolute best. Yeah, you need to like uh, secretly like take video of her or something while she's doing it. I know. I know. I need, I should, I, should, I would have to, I should, I should do that. That's, that's, a, that's a great idea. Great idea. All right. So, uh, Last thing here before we check out is uh, th- this is for the uh, this is for the young gentleman listening out there. Take your girl, take your wife, take your girlfriend, take your date, and just go see a Star Is Born. Just just do it, Ooh. and you'll thank me later. It is the event. I think it's the the movie the movie the date movie event uh, of the of the rest of the year. There have been some pretty good date movies this year, but this is the one because it's emotional, the singing, oh, you got movie stars on the screen. The story's the story's good. It's not great, but uh, just there's 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 a couple moments in the in the movies where you're like, this is why I go see movies at a theater, like for this moment did, right here. Did you watch the original? I did. I did not, but I've done a lot of research, just reading up about it and reading about Barbara Streisand's craziness and uh, Chris Christopherson's angry <laughs> angriness and and everything. But I, I, I do plan on watching it because I kind of want to see the difference in in the two movies. Yeah, um, I I'll think about that one, but I'm definitely going to see Halloween when it comes <laughs> out. I'm dragging Katrina; she doesn't really want to go, but I think it's good to be scared on in October, so. Looking forward to that. I'm also going to see Venom when I'm in Fresno. When I'm working out there for a week, I'm going to... Because I don't really do at night. I might just go pop in and go check out Venom. And I know it's not getting the best reviews or anything like that, but I want it's kind of one of the movies I want to see on the big screen. So I plan on checking that out. All right, man. So, uh, so yeah, so that's it from here. We'll be back next week. Uh, and I'm sure there will be tons of stuff to talk about. Uh, so for John, I'm Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.